Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer, still out in NOLA. And we are taking a look at the Wednesday slate we've got here in the NBA. A lot to choose from. We've got a couple game videos and our player props, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us each and every weekday this regular season. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we put all this stuff up in written content up there on the site. And we have our odds finder tool that you can use to make sure you're getting the best juice back across all these U.S. sports books that are offering odds to you guys in the NBA. Nate, let's get into this big fat slate and then talk about our first game of the night. We got the Suns in uh, Cleveland taking on the Cavs. Yeah, 12 games on the docket after uh, what we can call a trap Tuesday because uh, you do have the Thunder plus two at Orlando after somehow putting up 150 on the best team in the NBA despite SGA sitting. So that that's what we're talking about on Tuesday there. Um, Pacers are plus seven and a half at the Sixers. That's an interesting one. Uh, Memphis minus eight at Charlotte. I'm talking about this game. Suns are plus five at the Cavs with a dropping total. It's already dropped five points to 217. Spurs plus nine at the Knicks. Bucks plus five at the Raptors. Rockets plus seven at the Pels, who are going to be without Zion for a while. The other game we break down, Portland was plus one at Minnesota. They're now minus one and a half, so they're on. Uh, they're gaining steam. Public is behind us on that pick. Nets are minus five at Chicago with a 235 total. Love that one for some player prop overs. Miami is minus five and a half at the Lakers. Uh, Hawks plus one and a half at the Kings who are on a back-to-back here. And then the Warriors minus seven at home against the Pistons. So the Suns now forging on without Devin Booker. Another feeble offensive performance, 83 points. In a weird Monday afternoon game at New York. Um, prior to that, you know, only got 104 and 102 against Washington and Toronto. Also, really, really good defenses. Really tough. I mean, Cleveland, of course, is another really, really good defense, but they should be without Evan Mobley again um, and without Darius Garland here. They're coming off a, a double overtime ridiculous game uh, against those Bulls. So maybe a little bit of tired legs. Uh, I mean, when I see the total dropping like this to 217, I wonder if there's an opportunity to, to jump on it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there might be a middle op- middling opportunity if you had bet the under originally because it seems like you can't trust the Suns to score without Devin Booker, first and foremost. I mean, the 22nd in offensive rating, third fewest paint points, um, you know, depending highly on the mid-range. And without one of the best mid-range scorers in the league, I mean, you can say whatever you want about the MVP race. He's clearly one of the most valuable guys to his team, one of the guys that the bottom will fall out when he's not there. And somehow defensively, they've been even worse, right? I mean, you go back kind of to that that fight on the bench in, in, in Washington a couple of weeks ago. And they've just been awful in their last eight. They have the second worst defensive rating and net rating in the NBA. Second highest turnover rate. Chris Paul has a reputation of um, grinding on the big men on his team. And DeAndre Ayton is clearly not happy. They are not rebounding the ball well at all. Uh, And these things are obviously trouble when you go against Cleveland, a team that that wins those margins and and is now probably going to be playing a lot more Kevin Love and Mo- with Mobley out, uh, another big rebounding edge for Cleveland. 
I, I like Cleveland. I think five points is okay. But I yeah. do think that this total is low enough now that if you want to tease Cleveland down to one and tease the total down to like 213, maybe even 212, if it keeps dropping, I feel like we can go over here. And, and I mean, the absence of Mobley helps Cleveland's offense. It helps them spread things out, have more threats out there. Like I said, Kevin Love is definitely a, a plus on offense and definitely, definitely a negative on defense compared to having Mobley. So that's going to help things get back and forth here a little bit. They're scoring almost 123 in their last five without Garland. So it hasn't been a, a, an issue with Donnie Mitchell obviously being lights out. I don't expect him to you know, have another 50-burger. I mean, he's coming off a 70-burger, of course, but with Mikel Bridges out there hounding him. Um, but I'm not you know his prop is still at thirty points. I do think he would be he'll be around there. I'm not going to be bold enough to bet the under there. Uh, so I think Donnie keeps their offense rolling um, Phoenix, against the Phoenix defense that's lifeless right now. A team that's lifeless that doesn't really seem to have much fight, um, but that the Cleveland defense is not going to be up to the par we've seen at home most of the season, and and that probably means we get you know to two fifteen or higher in terms of the total tonight. Yeah, I think so. I mean, man, I mean, I, I think 217, the, the reason it's it's been bet down, if if I'm guessing, is 107 points per game without Devin Booker over in their last five, uh, all on the road, right? Like that 111 offensive rating, uh, dead effing last in points in the paint scored without Book, plus the added frustrations that you're seeing from a guy like DeAndre Ayton uh, in this sort of, you know, offense where maybe he wants the ball more. I, I, this dude's sort of been unhappy. Uh, if it wasn't that he wasn't getting enough money, it was he wasn't getting the ball enough, et cetera. And um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure what's going on out there in Phoenix. I took the under on their win total this year, uh, somewhat based on you know an, an in, in innate regression as they age. Uh, no Jay Crowder, then Cam Johnson goes down. I mean, they're now relying on like Landry Shamit and, and Damian Lee to bail them out of games by just chucking threes, right? However, I do want to use that to say that's also another favor for our over because Cleveland's three-point defense has been absolutely terrible uh, actually over the last like seven or eight games. They have this, they're allowing the second highest three-point percentage. I know that's a high variance statistic, right? Like does that mean that guys are getting lucky and hitting threes on the Cavs or are the Cavs just not closing out as well? I think it's probably a little bit of both. You've seen them definitely, um, you know, give up a ton more points over the, their last few games as, as, you know, um, as Evan Mobley is out and as their offense has opened up a bit without Garland. I mean, they're eight and oh without him this season. Uh, and that's because Donnie averages 34.7 assists in, in those games. Or, and th I'm sorry, 35 points and seven and a half assists in those games. And, and you saw in his 71 point for performance where he also had 11 assists, like he wasn't forcing it. It wasn't like, give me the ball. I need to get more points. It was like, give me the ball because when I have it in my hands, we're for sure going to be able to score a bucket uh, as he scored order assisted on like I don't know, like 99 points or something absurd. Um, so, uh, you know, for, with all that said, like it, there's a reason that that is. The spacing is way better, especially without Mobley, you know, who does clog things up a bit. But but also without Garland, like Donnie Mitchell has like a five higher uh, net rating when, he, you know, without him uh, in lineups that, that don't have Darius Garland, but that have uh, Donnie Mitchell also increase. And same goes for Garland. Like he, his numbers are better when Donnie Mitchell's off the floor. It's not that they can't play together. They're just better without each other uh, as they're both really 
really strong playmakers on top of scorers. So all that to say, like, I still think there's plenty of opportunity for them to do that against the Suns. The question is, do you expect the Suns to come with them on this ride to getting over 217 points? And I do think, I mean, even if they score the 107 that they've been scoring um, and, and you expect, uh, I definitely expect the, the Cavs to get closer to 115 than 110 at that point. Um, so the 217 doesn't really scare me at all. I, I took this when I saw it because I was just like four and a half for Cleveland at home where, you know, they're covering the spread at 13 uh, out of 19 games that they've covered at home, winning those games by an average of like nine points a game, uh, you know, covering those spreads by like four points a game. So they're getting pretty big spreads at home and they're still covering them 75% of the time. So uh, in a situation where, you know, without Darius Garland, their offense is a little bit, Donnie is better. Without Evan Mobley, their offense is for sure better. It's a little bit worse on off uh, on defense as well. Uh, I'm not really as concerned that the Suns are uh, look so putrid. It was a, a, a that game against the Knicks is also another reason this continues to get back down. We just saw them score in the 80s, as you said, including an 11 point first quarter. Um, but th- that was a bit of an anomaly coming off another, you know, tired legs cr- across the country into New York to play at 12 p.m., which is 9 a.m. for them. Right? It's it was all just a silly game, and I think that we're getting a, a deflated total as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, and the Cavs have gone over in six of their last seven here, and they have shut down some opponents. They held Utah to 99, Milwaukee to 106 at home, uh, and those games still went over because on the other side, Cleveland's been efficient enough on offense. And their only under in that span was that weird low-scoring game in Chicago, and then, of course, they come back and show what they yeah. can do on offense in the very same matchup. So I, you ask yeah. if I think the Suns are going to come along or not, I don't think it really matters. I think as long as they get to, like, mm-hmm. 103, I, I do expect the Cavs to be scoring o- over 115, like you said. I mean, the Suns have, again, the second-worst defensive rating in the span. It's 119.8. It's, it's absolutely terrible. Um, so, I mean, that that is obvious logic that we'd like the Cavs to cover here. Uh, minus five, but I think just based on the com- competitive line here, if if you can find the total low enough, and if you can tease it, then then you're really getting yourself some some good security in terms of both things hitting. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm talking myself into my favorite bets being, uh, you know, the 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 total. Uh, taking that over, maybe a, I mean definitely the Cavs team total, and maybe a nice little Cavs um, you know money line and over parlay. Get myself closer to plus two hundred on my money there, uh, just because look if, if Phoenix puts up a fight from three and Landry Shamit. <laughs> and Damian Lee uh, and and company sort of you know do their thing if Tory Craig's hitting threes then I do think that you you can stay in this game but it's really it's predominantly that it, it's just the need for the sun that's the, the the sort of game theory for how the suns pull this out is Chris Paul's just finding open guys for three. He's not really driving and creating in that way anymore. It's just going to be a lot more team ball movement uh and then some pretty well contested threes I would imagine being hit by those uh sort of backup guards for uh, for for Phoenix and and there's a chance that happens but either way like you said not worried about them coming along for the ride the, these Cavs are going to cover the total uh, almost on their own so this game Portland was plus 1 when I when I got this earlier this morning uh the money line was about even for Portland now they're at minus one and a half and minus 120 on the money line totals at 234 pretty high um I guess people are going with the sheer logic of Portland beat Minnesota twice this year. It wasn't particularly close. Um, And Minnesota, they're not really buying that they've snapped out of their funk just because they beat Denver, which was on a 
a back-to-back and a letdown spot after handling the Celtics at home. Um, they went out to Minnesota the very next day and, of course, did not win that game. But prior to that, Minnesota had lost six straight. Uh, in their last seven, they have a negative four net rating, 117 defensive rating. And the biggest drop-off from last year has been their ability to, to get good looks from three or or maybe just to hit tougher looks in any case. Um, and it's been particularly bad lately. In their last three, they have the fifth-worst three-point percentage in the league. Um, in this seven-game span, they're shooting 33%. That's also fifth-worst. Uh, they're, they're 26th in assist rate. It's a lot of iso ball with, for D'Lo and, and Anthony Edwards and not a lot of playing off each other. And somehow, some way, they're a terrible rebounding team with Rudy Gobert in there. I mean, this, this is not what the Jazz were like at all. I, they were, And they had probably worse personnel around Rudy in terms of helping him out. Um, but right now, yeah, they're, they're 28th in rebounding rate at home. Um and so it's it's resulting in a lot of second chance points, a lot of opportunities for the opposition to to get to get points in the paint as well. Um, and it's resulted in five of their last seven games going over. I'm not really interested in the total though. I, I think I love just having no spread basically and taking Portland because mm-hmm. Portland's scoring really really balanced they're one of the few teams you can find that you like okay they don't score a high percentage off three off two off free throws they they can score in so many ways and that makes sense because they have two dynamic guards and jeremy grant who just continues to ascend rapidly and they got nurk back now who actually helps their offense more than the numbers would show uh because he's a great screen setter great role guy just keeps it moving um their pace is actually much faster when he's out there and you know, with him back, they they handled Charlotte. They lost at Golden State because he sat, and then they he only had to play 14 minutes, but they they handled Detroit. Um, and also, they have Gary Payton back right now too, so that's really going to help. You know, hound Anthony Edwards, who's basically been the offense for for Minnesota, but not not an efficient way. I mean, at home, he's averaging 24 a game this year, but at a, with a 107 rating. And you just flip to the other side, Dame on the road this year, 28 points per game with a 120 rating. His last three against a Rudy Gobert team, 35 a game, 126 rating, hitting six threes at 45%. I don't know why I didn't put any of that in player props. <laughs> you can definitely look at Dame hitting some threes tonight. Um, and, and just some key stats. I mean, Portland, much better limiting paint points on the road. Actually, top three limiting pay points in their last three and limiting two-point shooting. So if Minnesota's really morphed into a team that doesn't score from the perimeter anymore, that's trouble. And then the biggest thing is at home, Minnesota actually has the worst three-point defense, 39% opponent shooting. And when you play a team like Portland, I mean, what else do you need to say? That's 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 trouble when you can't defend the line. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're in trouble any way you slice it in this one, and it's it's odd that it's um it's stayed where it is. I mean, maybe because they beat Denver, and it, what the odd thing about that Denver game too is they saved Jamal Murray for that game and didn't even play him against the Seas, and then they come out and just look absolutely anemic, uh, like they didn't want to be there. Maybe just some fatigue, but I would agree with just everything you're saying because now you're you're you know basically like the way Minnesota I, I see Minnesota is like. 
it's like they're they're a crab that just got declawed. Like, what do you even have to defend yourself with, or what's your weapon here? Um, it was last year fast break three pointers, uh, transition, um, actually some decent assist numbers as well, like moving the ball uh, to a degree, and not and even with guys like D'Lo and Cat, there was plenty of, of ball movement and no like sort of black hole situations. And now it's not even a black hole situation; it's just like. It, Ant, go get us a bucket. D'Lo, go get us a bucket. And then Rudy, can you try to get a second chance point? And the answer is no. Like somehow they're still, they've been and continue to be one of the worst interior teams in, ter in terms of like any sort of attack to the rim and defending the rim. And I mean, to a, you know, Rudy's fine in, in terms of defending the rim. It's not like guys are scoring on him in the paint, but they're getting second chance points and they're kicking it out and they're getting plenty of threes. As you said, uh, actually a good amount of uncontested threes that the T wolves are giving up as well this season. Um, there's the, what's what's your sort of weapon here like what are you doing that scares me and and the answer is nothing because i can still get in and score on second chance points they're in the bottom five giving up second chance points giving up points in the paint like with rudy gobert so like you said if you don't if you're not shooting well from deep and and that's totally predicated on unassisted threes at this point in time um there's really not any there's like in the bottom 12 in terms of uh uh scoring assisted field goals um from from deep right like all their three-pointers made are unassisted because there's no ball movement there so I i'm not really sure what scares you uh about this team if their pace isn't gonna like remain if it, if it is gonna remain uh you know at the in the 103 range but you're still only putting up like either the hundred what like 112 points uh that they were scoring before that denver game i mean they were going over for a bit but they were also giving up to like 122 or so uh that we've been talking about with that awful defensive rating so um yeah no assists scoring 111 a game over their last seven even though they're giving up uh, all those points i i just don't know why this line even started where it did I, i'm a little bit confused because also just to finish things with portland like you said they're scoring from absolutely everywhere uh and and, and the sort of the the defensive presence of Nurk does seem like it's 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 relevant. Um, but to your point of of uh, the way that Jeremy Grant has been playing, like he's just a complete Swiss Army knife, man. So uh, you got to continue to feel good about Portland in this situation. I, I don't know why you would even. I, I have no reasoning for for feeling good about Minnesota. Yeah, I mean that's a good reason to like the Portland over uh, for sure. It seems like even an alternate over, they score like one thirty plus when they really get it going when they have all their guys. I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility here. I mean, Vegas is, is usually has a good reason yeah. to put things as a close line. Um, and so, but if we do get into a close game, there's no way I trust Minnesota. They've lost four of their last five that were within six points. They've lost six of their last eight in that span. Uh, they're 22nd in offensive rating in the clutch, still a bad rebounding team in the clutch. And Portland is, is fifth in effective field goal shooting in the clutch, as you would expect with a Dame Lillard led team. Um, and I mean, now with, with Gary Payton out there, I mean, they, they were so good defensively early in the season. Josh Hart missed a little time recently. Nurk missed a little time. Now they just have their full, their full swath of guys, and, and they're looking like one of the better all-around teams in the Western Conference. For whatever reason, they couldn't beat Golden State. It seems like they never can beat Golden State, yeah. really. Um, but I think that's why you're getting some value, that, that the people are looking at their Hornets and Pistons wins saying, ah, that ain't nothing, but – Look, if they were playing anybody with the with their full complement of guys, they're capable of putting putting the whooping on them. They are, and at, you know, one thing just to be cautious about is anytime that I'm like, I don't understand, even if I don't understand why Vegas did something that I think is totally wrong, 
just take a step back. I, I think I need to do a little bit more digging to understand that because it still scares me to bet on it while I'm sitting here with sort of the, the unknown going on. Um, maybe there's something we're missing, but I, it's just everything we've said about the way that Portland has been playing. I think they continue to be a team that like, I look for them to be a second half team that I don't see any reason they can't get uh, you know a top five and definitely top six seed in the West right now. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into these NBA play props for tonight. Yeah, fresh off two nights ago uh, when, when we took the under on Kevin Durant, 28 and a half points, it's time to now go over. Uh, we were taking that because they were minus 15 at home against the Spurs, and now they're minus five at Chicago, and I don't trust that. I think, I mean, Chicago has shown the ability to to play with the best teams in the NBA to kind of, they're kind of playing for their, their lives in terms of keeping this team together. And sometimes we've seen them get into some really crazy shootouts, including their last game. If you look at the law of averages over their last 11, they're giving up 121 with 122 defensive rating. Most of those big scoring games are against teams like Brooklyn that can fill it up. And Brooklyn's defense lately has been a little skewed by playing poor competition. So I, the point is, I like the over in this game, even at 235. I think you can find a lot of good props here. I think both Durant and Irving are going over. Um, and and both are going to be called upon to play a lot. And, and that just hasn't been the case in his last seven. Durant's scoring 28 a game. He's only playing 33 minutes. He's really only been in a couple close games. He had 26 and 16 against Atlanta. He had 43 points against Detroit. Um, I do like tacking on seven rebounds, 35 and a half there, um, because I think he could get in, get in, you know, be contributing on that, on that end as well. And he has good numbers against Chicago. I mean, it's just like, of course, it's Kevin Durant, 31 points a game in his last four shooting 54% on a 32% usage rate. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's time for him to get back, uh, in the, in the log with 30 points here. And that's my most confident bet of the night. No, I, yeah, I'm totally with it. Uh, Brooklyn on the road has been an offensive juggernaut. Uh, as you talk about Chicago at home, plenty of points to be scored. Um, I, I have a, another theory too. I mean, the last time that these teams played each other, uh, Brooklyn, we actually, we did a video about that game saying like Brooklyn doesn't cover uh, first of all. So take Chicago It was also when Brooklyn was sort of anemic and KD specifically just seemed like he wasn't trying. 
Uh, that probably was because he didn't want Steve Nash there. Then he got his way. Then he's looked even better. Um, and so, and obviously, getting Kyrie back as well, so that like KD can take off the first, like the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth. It's all Kyrie time uh, before KD comes in to finish the game. And I think he will be coming into a game that's very close for sure in the fourth quarter as well. Like this is definitely not a Brooklyn blowout time, um, but it is a time for some points. So I, I do love the KD pick uh, and, and the way that we're showing the versatility, going under when we know he's not going to be needed, going over. Over when we know he's definitely going to be needed. So uh, I'm going to take an under, though, here on a guy that I love, big friend of the show, on all the fantasy squads, Desmond Bain, but I got to go under on his points and rebounds uh, against the Charlotte Hornets tonight. 24 and a half points and rebounds. It's minus 110 on DraftKings to get the under there. Uh, that was that was sort of my favorite. This is my favorite place to take uh, th that total there for him. Um, Look, he, he's still coming back from injury. It's not like I'm, I'm trashing the dude at all, but he's been playing 26 and a half minutes a game in the five games that he's played since he's been back, um, scoring 14.8 points per game with four rebounds. And like the rebounds I like in there too, because it's like, uh, you know, he's looking for his touch. Uh, there's plenty of other guys. Steven Adams has been getting close to 30 minutes uh, as well. So there's not that many rebounds to go around. Um, and, you know, he, he's only been averaging the four, like I said, uh, with, you know, a 26 and a half percent usage rate. So he is shooting the ball, but he's got 33% from the field, 18 from from deep. Uh, those are his splits right now. He's making 1.23s a game on a, about six and a half attempts. Um, so he's, he still hasn't found it quite yet. And Charlotte hasn't been that bad on defense. In fact, they've been better on defense than they have on offense, uh, especially over the course of their last five or so, playing in a few lower scoring games as well. Um, and in his, in his last four versus Charlotte, these numbers are a little bit skewed. Like, I don't love it because he had a two-point performance where he had uh, where he fouled out against Charlotte like three, three uh, matchups ago versus them. But he only does average 16 a game with three boards in about 26 minutes uh, when he's playing against them. Even if you take out that two-point performance, that still only goes up to like 18 and a half points a game in about 28 minutes. So, um, you know, Charlotte, top 12 in limiting shooting guards uh, in terms of points per game and rebounds. That's pretty much the only position that they're not bottom 10 uh, in terms of defending. So, you know, it, it seems like the, the, the one spot to be able to take an under uh, in this game. Yeah, Charlotte is apparently trending under at home. Um, and they couldn't even put up a fight against the Lakers in their last home game. That, yeah, I mean, that makes you feel better about unders um, because Bay might not be out there in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it's really as simple as that. And, and speaking of the Lakers, um, lots of like for the Heat here. Lots of like for Bam out of bio. I'm kind of steering away from taking his points, though. I mean, he has been scoring a lot lately, 27 points per game. That's why it's all the way up at 22 and a half in terms of his prop. I actually would prefer just going 12 and a half rebounds assists and the two and a half assists is, is very low. Um, I think because he went 23 and 14 with zero dimes in an easy win over the Lakers at home recently. Prior to that, Josh, he had at least four assists in seven straight against the Lake show, averaging 4.7 dimes. Um, I mean, he is a guy who can facilitate for sure. And the Lakers are a team that get up and down and allow those kind of peripheral stats. They're allowing the fifth most assists to centers in the last seven games since losing AD, fifth most rebounds to center on the season uh, while playing at that type of pace. So you can take either of those and get, you know, minus 130, not the greatest odds. Maybe you want to juke it up one or two. Or you can take Bam to do some stuff in a win. Um, and I think the best one here at FanDuel is five assists in a win at plus 500. And like I said, he's been hovering right around that against the Lakers. So I, I think he can play a little point center here tonight and um, and hopefully get you there with the dimes 
if you're going to put take that five to one bet. I feel you. I mean, the only thing that I would be cautious of is are those dimes coming because Jimmy's not in? Uh, Caleb Martin missed some time. Gabe Vincent missed some time. You could make that argument, but even when they are in, he's playing a ton of points center. It's, it still surprises me how often I see Bam Adebayo dribbling the ball at the top of the key or straight up bringing the ball up the court. Um, and I think that's because, especially when Jimmy's not in, and he'll get plenty of minutes without Jimmy as well uh, in, in this one. I, I think you know that they look at him as the guy that all those shooters can play off of, uh, and he's versatile enough, especially when he's playing you know a, a big big man if you will and Thomas Bryant is a slow big man for sure so um, that, that's going to be quite an issue I, I would say for, for, for the Lake show and you got to expect the Lakers to continue to play at a blistering pace making there an opportunity for more rebounds so I mean if, if you love the assist in this one and I'm definitely not going to talk you out of it I would just say Jimmy is playing uh, it looks like so in that case like you can you can also feel good about those points and rebounds and that might be where I lean a little bit more so so I'm going to have a really fun uh, a lot of fun with this last one and actually taking another Grizz uh, uh, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., friend of the show, two and a half blocks. If you take him to get three blocks in this game, you're talking plus 140 at DraftKings. That's like pretty much the standard offer right now for them. Uh, you can go to th- uh, two and a half stocks, steals and blocks. Uh, that's the same offering that they're giving you in most places, but it's minus like minus 150, minus 170 for uh, the three and a half steals and uh, blocks combined. I would take the, the block. I would take it all to be honest with you. I just I would take something a little bit safer and then go ahead and take that plus 140 for him to get three blocks. He's averaging 3.1 in his last 10. That does include an eight block performance uh, the other night. That was absolutely ludicrous. Um, but it, it's because he's playing free safety, man. Like he, if you look at who he's matched up against, which I did, uh, it's never the opposing team's, uh, you know, offensive power forward or center. It's whomever is the least offensive, uh, you know, a, a able player on the other team team in the front court that's who Jaron Jackson Jr. is guarding so that he can come right off of that person and swat guys like Zion and and other guys who are driving at the rim Um, so I really like what I've seen from him hilariously Charlotte allows the most blocks per game to their opponent I don't really know how to correlate that to anything in terms of style of play or who's out there for them Uh, Mason Plumlee just maybe he likes to get blocked a lot I'm not really sure Um, but either way they do recover a ton of those blocks and steals which is really funny because they don't turn the ball over Charlotte but you can still block the crap out of them so I'm going to take him to get those uh, as he's just been doing that at an incredible rate and I think he loves doing that I think he he knows that's his path to uh, defensive player of the year as well which he's finally getting some credit for even though he's missed a bunch of games um, so if, he, if he's going to get there he needs the, st- the, the steals and blocks coming off of playing other guys and I think that's a pretty good opportunity for him tonight against Charlotte yeah, I love this. I mean, Charlotte, just like we said, is is terrible offensively at home and not for lack of trying. Yeah, LaMelo, Terry Rozier, they will continue to attack the rim um, and, and give you opportunities for blocks. Yeah, and Jackson, and you say put him on the least dangerous offensive player. I mean, there's several out there for the Hornets with Oubre and Gordon Hayward not expected to play tonight. Um, you know, there's probably be a lot of Jalen McDaniels that JJ can can just kind of drift off and try to get those blocks. Yeah, dude, he's he's nice with it right now. So that is all the time we have for you in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us on this giant slate tonight. And until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>